0: Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's recorded ministries. We hope you'll enjoy listening to this message as Pastor Alex leads us in God's word. It is our hope that you'll personally experience God through these teachings. Now here's Pastor Alex. All right, we are concluding the series, Built to Last, this morning. And uh, we're basing the series on one of the most powerful verses, I think, in the Bible, Matthew seven twenty four. It's where Jesus said, anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. And when the storms of life come, thank you, sir, when the rains fall and the winds blow, that house will continue to stand because it's built on the rock. Anyone who does not, those who hear my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the sand. How many of you have ever built a sandcastle at the beach on an incoming tide? It's exciting for a while. My, my uh, favorite thing is I keep building all of these walls in front of walls, in front of walls, and then I put moats in front of the walls and think, you know, eventually I'm going to have a strong enough wall. It never, the ocean wins every time. People who hear the word of God and don't put them into practice... In everyday life, in just kind of a habitual behavioral pattern way of doing things is going to be like a house built on the sand. The rains will come, the storms of life will come, and you get washed away. People just get hurt. You get hurt when you don't build your life on God's word. Pete Carroll has done a masterful job this week of taking the Super Bowl loss and turning it into something that he can build upon. During an interview with uh, several of the radio hosts and even Matt Lauer on Good Morning America, he he referred over and over again to past failures. And uh, he said, one of the reasons I'm able to take this loss and look forward to a positive future is because I've had so many failures in the past. I mean, being fired from the Patriots years ago, and." being let go and making bad decisions in the past. I mean, I've been through this valley before. And I've learned that if I continue to study, to grow, to be honest and transparent about my weaknesses, and then to learn from my mistakes, if I keep, he didn't say these words, if I keep sowing seeds in the right direction, eventually I'm going to reap a harvest of victory. And we're going to win next year. <laughs> He, he gets the principle of sowing and reaping, and one of my life verses has been uh, one that I'd like to begin with this morning, and in fact, if you haven't been part of the, the whole series on Built to Last, this will be, I think, our seventh week, and um, all of the verses that I've been sharing with you have been life verses for me, things I memorized years and years ago, and an attempt to live by on a habitual pattern type of behavior, because I've discovered that God follows through on his promises when I do my part. And I'm just inspired and, and want to encourage you, do the same, watch God work when you trust him and you obey him. So I want to talk about sowing and reaping and I want to remind you that memorizing the word Verses that actually matter and point exactly to the need that you have. Then meditating on them, which simply means visualizing, seeing yourself actually living them out because that's how habits are formed. And then applying them when the opportunity comes. You actually do what it's said to do, like forgive your neighbor, for instance. And then the third or fourth part, rather, is to, to watch for God to move. Don't just kind of do your thing and keep your head down. Expect, anticipate something to happen. If you're not paying attention, you may miss it. Because once you start seeing that cycle of attempting to obey and believe and watch, and then when God completes the cycle and performs what he promised, it's like, wow, this is like like miraculous living. Christians are the only ones on earth who can have a kind of relationship with God that is actual, experiential, day-to-day, year-to-year. And in the long haul, at the end of life, be able to look back and go, wow, I was kind of involved, but it was almost all God that has brought me to this place of blessing. So I want you to to take seriously the the challenge to memorize and meditate, and I know some of you probably think, well, that's easy for you, Alex, you're a pastor, you memorize because you get paid for it. (laughs) That's your job, man, You you gotta kinda know the Bible, that's sort of in the job description, you know. I just want you to know, I don't memorize because I'm a pastor. I memorize because I'm human. And apart from God, I've got as little hope as anybody on earth. He has to be active in my life, not just in theory, but in activity in my thinking. So let's talk about sowing and reaping. And I've got a couple of visual aids I'd like you to take a look at this morning. Uh, The tongue went the way of the uh, empty soda pop can. It's in the trash, yeah. I actually got handled so much, I just, you know, didn't think it would be edible. Poinsettia. We're early this year. I want to begin talking about one of the the themes of, of I've tried to make a theme of my life and and memorize and meditate on this very, very simple but very poignant statement that God makes in the book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. In essence, he's saying, Alex, you can't grow what you don't plant. And he puts it in these words. In fact, say it out loud with me because it'll help it stick in your mind. Ready? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows first thing in Bible verses is to ask the question, what's he saying? What does it mean? Let's take it just one part at a time. Do not be deceived. What is that implying? What's that saying? Don't be tricked. Don't be tricked. Yeah. Don't be fooled. you You can be. It is possible to be deceived. We are inclined, in fact, to deception. That's sort of our natural weakness until we pay attention and go, oops, maybe that's not true. What I've been buying into is not true. Very important recognition. Second phrase, God cannot be mocked. What is Paul trying to say in that statement? God can't be mocked. Pardon me? Can't be made fun of? Well, we could try, but uh, the results may not be great. Yeah, Judy. can doing what God tells you because he sees It's like saying, you don't Yeah. It's understanding that he sees everything, pretending like he doesn't, or what I'm doing doesn't really count right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Bob? God will always have the last word. God will always have the last word. Yeah. Ken? No matter um, what we say about him, he remains who he is. Very good. No matter what we say about him, he remains who he is. That reminds me of uh, people who I I know who say, "I, I don't believe there is a God. Well, you can say anything you want. It doesn't change the fact. He is, right? (laughs) You don't even have to be here. He'd still be here. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. God cannot be proven wrong. Cannot be proven wrong. Impossible. Yeah. I think when it comes to sowing and reaping, what what Paul is is saying is what several of you said. Um, You can't pretend like he doesn't know or like he doesn't see. And then the third part, of course, is pretty self-evident. A man reaps what he sows. So in other words, I can't smoke cigarettes all my life and say, God doesn't care, and he doesn't even notice. I'm not even going to get lung cancer. I'm going to pray for healing, in fact. I'm going to smoke my lungs out, my brains out, and then I'm going to pray for a miracle. I think it's a little close to mocking God, right? or if, I, if I'm lying, 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 lying all the time and and uh, suddenly I find myself trapped in this world of lies and then I pray for deliverance, oh God, I've dug myself a hole, please let me out. He's kind of going, what do you expect? Put the shovel down, stop <laughs> lying. So it's simply a fact that you can't escape God and it's kind of a scary verse if you, really you're honest with yourself, it's sort of like, I'm not getting away with anything. It's like, what does that mean? What's he gonna do? Because there's so many images in the Old Testament of God just coming down like a hammer on those who are disobedient. And a lot of us have kind of been raised in households where either our dad or a religious leader or some authority figure did the same thing. Every time there was an imperfection, bam, we got hammered. But there's an upside to that, too. I wanted to just put it this way. You can't grow what you don't plant. Here, how many of you have um, ever done this before? Yeah, what is this? Avocado, avocado seed, yeah. California, California avocado <laughs> seed. If I come along to you and I say, oh, oh baby, I am so excited to get a poinsettia. I cannot wait to have a poinsettia. So I just found this seed. I don't know what it is, but I, I put it in water. I'm hoping the roots sprout. I'm going to stick it in some dirt and see what happens. What would you say? <laughs> Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> You're deceived, you're dreaming, what are you thinking? You can't get a poinsettia by planting an avocado, it just ain't gonna happen, it's biologically, genetically impossible. And yet how many times do we think to ourselves, I'm gonna get rich quick, I'm gonna cheat on my taxes. I'm not going to report that little deal, or I'm just kind of you know, exaggerate my expenses a little bit over here. I get greater deductions over here. I'm going to get rich. You know how dumb that is? Take a look at the avocado seed. You, you aren't going to get a poinsettia by planting this. You're not going to get rich by trying to cheat the government. As, as wrong as you think the government may be, God says lying will not bring blessing. There are all kinds of things that we just kind of haphazardly, you know, we sort of tell ourselves, well this is okay, it's not that big a deal, and yet we're wondering why life is is not turning out the way we expected. If you want an avocado, you gotta plant an avocado. This is a seed that Pam planted last summer. How cool is that? That sits on her dresser in our bedroom. And we have a low ceiling, and it's actually right here right now. And it grows so fast, I'm going, honey, can we just move it, please? No, it's perfect right there. It grows so fast and beautiful and big, and she's got a green thumb anyway. But it's really doing what it was supposed to do. You know, in fact, this baby will have avocados as long as she gets a boyfriend. You know, avocados have to cross-pollinate, or a girlfriend, however the case may be. (laughs) not quite sure which gender that one is. Jesus says, you can't plant this and expect to get this. If you plant that, you're going to get that. If you want apples, you've got to plant apple seeds. If you want oranges, you've got to plant orange seeds. Whatever it is you're after in life, you've got to sow that into your life. If you want God to be generous to you, you've got to be generous to him. If you want people to be kind and forgiving and gracious to you, you've got to be kind and giving and gracious to them. It's crazy. There are so many just kind of mean-spirited people with short tempers they can't believe how mean everybody else is to them. It's just, what are you thinking? Well, what do you expect? It really does apply in, in every area of life. If you want to be, if you want people to be more patient with you, you've got to be more patient with them, more forgiving, be more forgiving with them. Whatever you sow, that's what you'll reap, and God's going to kind of ensure that that's what happens, and I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. This is not karma, there are natural laws in place that cannot be violated. But Jesus says this is really an active response from God. Like when he said, if you don't forgive your brother, your father is not going to forgive you. That's an active engagement with God. So the sowing and reaping isn't just some kind of disconnected activity that is beneath heaven. No, God is engaged but how much more exciting would that be to understand he's on the positive end of that too. Man, you, you, you want to prosper? Sow seeds of hard work and faithfulness and integrity and honesty. If you, want, if you want to grow in your spiritual life, if you want to grow in your ministry life, invest, man, in, in the scriptures and in just practicing ministry and, and trying to do what God says. I'm telling you, God will make sure actively that you grow and explode and bear fruit. Jesus had a a great point to make in Matthew 7, 17. He's talking about bad trees and good trees. He says a bad tree can't bear good fruit, no matter how hard it tries. Have you ever heard a tree trying to bear good fruit? (laughs) Doesn't matter. Jesus said it ain't gonna happen. But a good tree, listen, I love this, can't bear bad fruit either. If you're doing things and sowing seeds in the way you think it's going to be honoring and pleasing to God, guess what? It's going to be hard to have a bad life. I love it. Well, I'm going for that, man. It's hard for things to really fall apart around you because you're investing in eternity in things that God says he's going to bless. Some people complain they've turned their life around for Jesus after living a a lifetime for hell, you know, and they finally, God gets a hold of them, they see the light, you know, maybe they committed crimes, maybe they slept around, maybe they're drug overdosing all the time, maybe their life was just really dark, they finally see the light and for the next month they just go crazy getting into the word and doing everything God says and really investing in church and in the kingdom and everything else. And they look around, going, "Man, nothing's happening." The Bible says, "If I if I sow, I'm going to reap," and I got nothing to show for it. Man, this doesn't work. How many of you ever heard people say, "I tried Jesus; it doesn't work"? Can I remind you that if you've been sowing a certain crop for a whole lifetime, it's been coming up for a long time, and those seeds don't just disappear. But if you start starving that crop and stop sowing to it, guess what? Eventually, that crop dies and disappears, and eventually, the new crop comes. It doesn't happen overnight. This avocado, when he finds his mate or her, will still take three years before there's an avocado hanging from it. That's just what avocados take, Minimum. It takes time, so you can't just turn things around and expect God to go, hey, hey, sir, okay, a blessing. It takes time. You've gotta stop sowing to the death. Activities start sowing to the life, amen? Amen. There's a second uh, principle in the sowing and reaping concept. I love it, this is so pointed. Obsession with self is a dead end. That's strong. Paul said in Romans, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What does that mean? What's, what's a mind governed by the flesh? That's a lot of kind of Bible jargon. Yeah, Carissa. Self-desire. Self-desire, yeah. Good. What else? You just don't think you just do. You don't think, you just kind of do. That's a good point. You're not really even your mind is sort of given over to wherever your body says. Yeah. Yes. Amen, your mind is focused on worldly pleasures. Good, yeah. Anybody over here in the the brilliant section, the A students? Any thoughts? What does it mean to have a mind governed by the flesh? Any ideas? Think about it, okay? No pressure. (laughs) I'll come back. Yeah, I think it's an interesting concept when you think about a mind that's governed. Remember my go-kart when I was a kid had a governor on it. I hated it. I hated it, man, I want to, I, I just want to throttle this thing to the floorboard, but I have this governor, and maybe stop like at five miles an hour. I want to have an ungoverned go-kart. So this idea that, that our minds can be governed, literally ruled, just sort of stopped and controlled and restricted by our flesh, which is really just kind of a metaphor for the lower nature. It's not just body stuff, it's kind of mental stuff, worldly stuff, you know, spiritual things that aren't true. So, mind governed by the flesh is is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So, what does it mean? It is death. That's strong language. Give me a little interpretation. What does that mean? Yeah, Andrea. Great. Doesn't get you anywhere. No perspective. No future. Glory. No, no life in Christ. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean physical death. God's going to kill you. <clears throat> So I just want you to get over that. It's really, it's that just kind of absence of life in Christ. You go nowhere forward in ways that you really are thankful for. You just get stuck. There is just kind of this slow decay that occurs. So obsession with self is a dead end. Now, I didn't actually come up with that. I I wish I had. It's a great statement. It was um, Eugene Peterson in The Message. He took that passage and and he said it like this. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with, listen, measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. The mind is focused on how good I'm doing and look at me and comparing to everybody else and I'm not as bad as that guy. Better than her. Okay, that's the focus is all about me all the time. Those who trust God's action in them Find that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. And he goes on to say, open to a free life. So you reap what you sow. You invest in others outside yourself. That's what the Spirit of God is thinking about, is obviously wanting your personal health to increase, but but part of that process is just getting your eyes and your mind off of yourself and onto others, and what God's up to in investing in those people. When I was about 19 years old, I, I was just so obsessed with becoming a star. I, I learned how to play guitar. I lived with a roommate named Bruce who played guitar, and uh, we just jammed for hours every day after work, before work, weekends. I mean, we just practiced, practiced, practiced because I had this dream. I wanted to play little, you know, coffee houses down at the beach, and uh, you know, we were going to be like the new Loggins and Messina, dating myself, but. Um, we were gonna be like be the new hit and we we're just gonna kinda of start these little coffee houses around Newport Beach and then work our way up and, and I was just obsessed with this idea of being a star and, and I remember the first chance that we had to kind of get out of our apartment and into a little venue. It was at, at my other sister's uh, apartment and uh, she was having this big party, all of our friends were coming, 30, 40, 50 people or so, just crammed in there and and Bruce and I like were the show. And I remember we played a set of probably eight or ten songs and you know, doing this for about an hour, hour and a half. And I remember the night was over, everybody's just kind of, you know, (laughs) politely applauding. Well, that tells you something right there. Then we're like going, ah. But nevertheless, it was satisfying. But I remember leaving that night and I had this distinct perception that this is so not what I thought it would be like. (laughs) I really, I really just thought. It's just kind of stupid, man. I mean, I'm like here I am, the center of attention, dream come true. All my friends and supporters are like ready to just kind of really get on the board. And, and they were enough to make it feel like it should be satisfying. But I just walked away going, that was so weird. It was all about me. And I feel like Zippo. It was quite the beginning of my salvation. It was a couple, three years before I got saved. But that stuck with me. I was obsessed with self, and it was an absolute dead end. You just sense, you just know that. Have you ever gotten there? Where you you kind of really go, I really want this, I really want this. You finally get it, and it's like, I guess I need something else. You know, it's just not very fulfilling. It's a reality that God ensures occurs when we're doing that because he wants us to know that is so shallow and empty compared to the fullness that I have for you. So sowing into other things and getting a different result, it's like going, okay, I'm going to go into things that that bring what I'm looking for. You reap what you sow. I would recommend that maybe not the message version because it's kind of long, but if you want to just kind of work on your choices being more automatic toward the things of God, start with the way you think. Cut a new groove train some neurons to go the right direction instead of the wrong direction, get all the synapses kind of clicking in the same way. You know, they say synapses are like, sort of like swinging doors into the kitchen. The more a thought goes a particular direction, the more likely the doors are to be stuck open. How cool is that? And that's what God's promise is, and nature even backs it up. All right, the final one here is... uh, Patient persistence brings a lasting harvest. Patient persistence brings a lasting harvest. Hebrews 6.12, let's read this one out loud. I like this. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Two operative words for me. The first one is inherit. Woo, I like that bring it on, back up the truck. <laughs> That's the stuff I focus on. I think God is into incentives, don't you? Why else would he provide them throughout scriptures, forward and backwards, you'll be blessed if. But the second operative word for me is another one that is, is really key. What do you think it might be? I'm sorry? Patience, Patience. what do you say? Lazy, good. Over here. Promise, yeah. They're all right answers. They're all good, you know. I'll just tell you what mine is. Mine is, it is patient. It is patient. I'm thinking, I've got faith, God. Bring it on. That's not quite the whole story. You have to believe. You have to trust. But you have to understand the things of God, most of the time, take time. They don't happen overnight. Like the illustration about I've been sowing the seeds of junk and I expect that harvest to just disappear. No, I've still got some residuals in my life and I've got to kind of slowly work those out and let the new harvest come in. In the same way, when I'm trusting God and, and I'm patiently persisting, eventually I will see a lasting harvest. God does promise we're going to reap what we sow, but it's rarely instant. It rarely is. Sometimes it is. You do something right, like, you know, you're struggling to give a a check to a charity or a church or a friend in need, and you're just finally you just do the right thing, and the next day you get another check in the mail. Either the same amount or greater, right? I mean, that happens. God does that occasionally, but that doesn't tend to be his norm. Most things happen slowly over time. And here's what I want to really focus on. Sowing and reaping isn't Instant microwave Christianity. It's not instant gratification. It's a matter of giving your life to a certain course of direction and trusting that over time you'll look back after five years. It's only five years, kids. It's not that far away. We're looking back at 30 years. But I can tell you, I saw fruit in one year of beginning this process. It may seem like forever. It's not. When you look back in 20 or 30 or 40 or 60 years for some of us, it's like, it's amazing. I began with this little unremarkable piece of property and now there's a mansion on it. That's, that's what happens. If you trust God on a continuous basis, we're not talking about magic moments, we're talking about a lifestyle and a lifetime, a patterned behavior around the things of God and then watching the harvest that comes. I have an illustration I'd like to use that could potentially look like I'm gloating or I'm thinking I'm all it, I'm all that. I'm gonna take a risk and trust you won't think that. I really, I really wanna demonstrate. I hope to inspire. Jesus said a picture is worth a thousand words. That's why he told stories about the kingdom of God. They stick in people's minds. That's why I brought that tongue up here last week. But we have plants here. So please, can you understand that? I, I wanna inspire you, especially the young people, to know this is real, this is true. God really does this for people. So it begins when Pam and I finally got to the point where we could buy our first house and we were renting a home in Fairwood. It was, it was a miraculous deal that God provided for us. Uh, but all we'd ever done, all of our married life, was rent. Never thought we'd be able to buy. A member of the family gave us enough for a down payment just out of the blue. So we started shopping for houses. Now, the house we lived in at the time, the rental, um, was a 4,000 square foot mansion on the seventh fairway of Fairway Greens. I mean, it was like, you got to be kidding me. And the only reason we were living there is because the owner found out that we were young pastors and he just literally just cut the rent in half. We paid like $680 a month. For that. So you know it was just a miracle. But we had grown accustomed to this kind of lifestyle. And so when we got that down payment, you know how it happens, right? We had no idea, never really thought we'd own a house, we didn't know you know how to how to do percentages and margins and all that kind of stuff. So we just started shopping for the house of our dreams, kind of like the one we were in. So we began looking all around Fairwood and you know some of these new establishment or developments were starting to be built, and we're like looking at these ones with Princess staircases, you know, and oak flooring all throughout, and you know, upgraded amenities and all that. And so um, we kept going back to uh, you know, look at our finances and we found out, wow, can't do that. Okay, let's take it down a notch. Okay, maybe one neighborhood removed. Okay, let's try that doesn't fit either. Anyway, we kept going down and down and down and down and down. And we just were just naive. But we finally found our first home. It was a little humble and humbling, but it was what we could afford. And we thought, it's kind of unique. It sort of got an interesting concrete garage, and on top of it was a goldfish pond built in. That's what it was. And then somebody decided we don't really want goldfish, so they put a deck on top of that. But there was a concrete, it was a cement pond, just kind of like <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies, you know. But we thought it was cute. We, we didn't weren't wild about the baby blue, but... We said look it's we can afford this you know so we made the down payment and and uh we said you know we could probably cut some of those bushes down before people start creeping around you know breaking in (laughs) so we said but this will do this is what we can afford and it was moving day there's there's uncle bill helping out and then i know it's kind of blurry maybe you can dim the lights a little bit that'll help Okay, that's good. All right. Uh, anyway, we got, um, who's that? Jessica and Claire on the stairway there. I'm sorry. Nice yellow pants. So anyway, what happened is um, our kids grew. As you know, a couple of them are quite tall. And uh, they, they outgrew not only their beds, but their bedrooms. And we had a choice of either looking for another house that uh, we could afford. It was larger and had enough space for our girls to grow into. And they were all in one bedroom. This thing had a little half story up on top. You know, just kind of a little slanted roof all the way. It's like a big dormitory. So all three girls were in one bedroom. Because there were only two bedrooms downstairs. One for Pam and I. And one was kind of like our office guest room sort of thing. So anyway, we thought we got to do something. Shopped around. Couldn't find anything. But the Lord put it in our minds and said, you know what? Maybe you could just take this house and turn it into something that, that will work. So I thought... We got Jesus. Why not? Let's give it a shot. See what happens. I really had no idea, but I began doing research, and and so we finally realized, you know what? We can do this. A friend said, hey, I'll draw you some plans. Other friends said, hey, we'll help you do this, and we'll help you do that. Let's just give it a go, and you know when you don't know anything, it's actually pretty good (laughs) because you try stuff that later on you go, I would never do that again, but we were naive, and, and we had a lot of a lot of Jesus. We said, you know, he's, he's kind and good to us. So we decided, okay, let's, get, let's start by tearing out the deck. We got our permit, and I got everybody involved, at least in the picture. And, uh, and uh, so we broke ground, we tore the deck out, and then we started digging, moving dirt around, and of course, Pam is like in her construction outfit. You probably noticed that, you know white pants and everything. So we gave it a shot. We said, let's just go. We got Jesus and we'll just give it a go. So always begin with a good foundation, right? Okay, so dig, 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 dig. If you want a house built to last, build a strong foundation. So we got to dig a lot a lot. And there were some really deep holes. We had to dig holes all the way down to the level of the existing basement Not just the first floor, so we're like another eight or ten feet down so we could tie into the footing. So that's what I was doing down there. That could have caved in on me in a heartbeat. I had no clue. I said, I got Jesus, you know, so. A little naive, but God didn't let that happen. Of course, you can't do anything without a lot of help from your friends. So we had gracious, kind friends just come over and every now and then just help pour concrete and all this kind of stuff. So we poured our concrete foundation. We started nailing down a floor, putting in insulation, and now things are starting to take shape. We put up a couple of walls. Oh, we painted the baby blue white. We figured, we don't know what color we want, let's just start with white, you can't go wrong. So the house didn't look quite as um, ominous up there. So we added the first floor, worked a little harder. Oh, the girls really helped. Yeah, they, they hefted that beam up by themselves. It was am, it was amazing. Oh you reap what you sow, sorry. I better, no lying. So anyway, that was a lot of fun. But they were, you know, as involved as much as they could and they celebrated when finally got up there. We we literally worked day and night. I was working full time, but every weekend, long summer nights, evenings, every day off, we're gonna work on this house. So over the course of a year, we finally got to the point where we got a second story up there, and it's starting to really get exciting now. But the most exciting part is not the outside. It's the inside. This is, we're living inside. Every single day, we're going back and forth through the kitchen, through the dining area, the new great room, and all that kind of stuff. And we're thinking, man, can we, can we please get on with the good stuff? But a lot of times before the good stuff happens, things have to get kind of ugly. There were two layers of siding on the outside. We had to pull all this, um, is that really environmentally friendly stuff called asbestos? That's that, you know, those kind of little brick tiles. That was on the outside. Underneath was all this beautiful 12 inch beveled cedar siding that um, we gave away to all the neighbors. They loved it. They said, We'll flip it over. It looks brand new, you know. But the house looked horrible. Before you can get to the good stuff, you've got to get rid of some of the ugly stuff. Can I say, application for life? You reap what you sow. If we don't take care of the ugly underside, it will begin to get infected and come back. Just take the time, take have the patience. Have the patience to deal with it once and for all. Be done. And then let God continue to build to the next level. Amen? So there was uh, you know some of that, and then finally we got to get to the inside, the kitchen. It's like, woo, we've been using the old kitchen in the counters they're just sort of you know collecting dust we just left everything old in there until the outside was completely dried in so we started uh, moving cabinets around and extending things and adding a sink and who's that guy in the background hey pastor kevin is looking good i know it's hard to see from over there you guys really should get out of your chairs and come over and look at this is good one of the best things was to know that um, we had a, a friend who was a master cabinet maker and still is, by the way, if anybody needs any work. Um, but um, who is that little kid in the background? That's not little Ivan. That's, who is? That's Josh. It's a little blurry. I was hoping he would be here. You can tell him, okay? So anyway, he was working hard. Yeah, always oh, working today, too. Yeah, okay. So anyway, like I said, nothing like having a professional. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> this guy, this guy is not only one of the most handsome guys I know, but he has got hair to die for. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's good, man. It's coming back. It is coming back. Anyway, he was... So that was a lot of fun. The whole point of this is that that took um, about exactly one year of non-stop work every day off and every holiday, every evening and uh, a lot of days just leaving the house to go to work and coming back and not doing anything and it really got to the point where especially tearing off all that old sighting and seeing the ugliness of what was underneath really got discouraging for a while and uh, we had some run-ins with inspectors and Things that were ridiculous in our opinion, but God said, "Do it right, or you'll pay." Yeah. Just do it right, and we are so thrilled to to see that over time, with faith and with patience, God was able to give us something we really wanted and needed. And by the way, um, because we did most of the work ourselves, it made it affordable. It stayed within our budget. If we'd you know had someone else do it, it would have been double that. So. It was just a gift from God putting all of these things together and trusting and just persistently putting your head down and moving about an inch a day. Can I say what patience means? Inch by inch, everything's a cinch. You just got to take your time and you just got to be patient and not be so easily discouraged and give up and angry and, and all those things. We do not want you to become lazy. When you become anxious and impatient, you become lazy because you give up. But I want you to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So real quick, we started with a little house like this and we ended up with a really cool house like that. So pretty exciting. Yeah. Just an illustration. It's not beyond any of our reach. It may not have anything to do with construction. I might have a gift package that has construction stuff in it. Maybe that's not your gift. But maybe what you do need to go after because you're good at it is to finish your education. Maybe that's your little gift package. Maybe it's your personal health. Maybe that's your little forte or or can become if you patiently, faithfully, and persistently go after it. Maybe it's a relationship healing. It's not happening very fast, but inch by inch by inch, you can get there. This is just one example of what Jesus will do if you understand you reap what you sow if you just keep sowing for the rest of your life. rest of your life, all the right things, every chance you get. When you sow a bad seed, if you can, not dig that puppy up and toss it. And then just keep on going. God will be faithful. God will finish what he started in you. Whatever it is, if you just need to get an upgrade in your job, you need to go back to school to train for something new, just go for it. inch by. Don't be in such a hurry. You will get there. If you need to grow in your spiritual life, personal character issues, memorizing scripture, growing in ministry, just start. Just start. Start small. Start now. Heavenly Father, we are so amazed by you. You are so cool. You are so kind, Lord. And it is so amazing that over time, incrementally, what you can accomplish. You told the Israelites, don't try to take the promised land all at once, but little by little, you will conquer the land. Help us, Lord God, to watch you and trust you and then keep watching and trust you and persistently keep doing what you've called us to do, Father, and help us to plant this word deep in our hearts, especially those things that pertain to us, our needs, our calling, your will for our lives so that we can see the fruit and the harvest that you said would come. We look forward to it in Jesus' mighty name. The church said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Memorize, meditate, apply, and watch God work. All right? God bless you. See you next Sunday. listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really, our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.